everything in business is a gamble. People generally buy people. It's genius! We want an education. What you're thinking, can you get the buy-in? You're listening to Forest FM, a salon business show with hosts Zoe Below Springer and Killian Vigna. For your industry, by your industry. On April 22nd, it's Earth Day, which is a way to demonstrate support for environmental protection and restorative action. Sustainability means meeting our own needs without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. And sustainability has always been on our minds here at Forest. Over the past few years on Forest FM, we shared salon owner stories of transformation when it comes to quote unquote going green, as well as interviews with experts in the field, such as Professor Denise Baden. As this year's Earth Day event theme is Restore Our Earth, or as the world returns to normal, we can't go back to business as usual. Today, we'll once again be sharing stories and knowledge coming to you straight from New Jersey in the US. Before we jump in with introducing our guest, for those interested in this year's Earth Day celebrations, you can visit earthday.org to find out more about the lineup of workshops, panel discussions, and special performances that will cover natural processes, emerging green technologies, and innovative thinking that can restore the world's ecosystems. It's not about just shopping local. It's going to be about shopping intentional. And the eco-salon component, whether you call yourself an eco-salon or not, it's just going to be that that mantra and that company message internally is going to be just as important as being on the outside signage. Communicating that message to your staff and clients is where most places fall off. So it's just the plan of action, just like anything else you, you would do that would increase your um, environmentalism and decrease your carbon footprint. It just takes a little bit of planning and it may not happen overnight unless, unfortunately, unless you had the money like Jeff Bezos does to just flip a switch. If you can learn how to be good at the retail component, that frees up other profits that aren't attached to a body per se. The starters, easiest thing that they can do tomorrow, go to Ecoheads, our friends at Ecoheads, make this really funky um, basin spout that goes on that reduces your water usage at the sink by 70%. And the people that have experience start something on the activism side. Joining us on the show today is James Alba, who runs The Beehive, a one-of-a-kind salon focused on sustainable beauty for the industry and the environment. In the salon, James wears many hats, including social media marketing and also being the resident product and ingredient specialist. He's also the co-founder of The Salon Movement, which is an internet video show focusing on salon sustainability, not only including being green, but also education, retail and marketing. The Beehive Organic Salon has been featured in many trade magazines, has been ranked best salon in Bergen for numerous years. It's also been certified gold with Green America, certified platinum with the Green Business Bureau, and winner of the International Eco Salon Contest. Without further ado, uh, welcome to the show, James. James, it's a pleasure to have you back on. Well, I suppose not back on Forced FM, but we had uh, the pleasure of collaborating um, just before Christmas on Beat 2020, the campaign. You were chatting with Ronan. It's great to have you on today on Forced FM. Uh, thanks so much for having me back again, guys. Killian, Zoe, thanks so much. It's a pleasure, uh, especially with Earth Week um, and Earth Month and almost Earth Day upon us. So I'm really excited to be with you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. So before we jump into today's main topic, there's, I guess, one burning or stinging, uh, should I say, question <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have to ask. So where did the idea of opening up the Beehive Organic Salon come from? Because I hear it's quite a special story. Well, and it's funny, um, the story keeps changing every year, too, which is, which is really <laughs> interesting. Not, not the foundation, but pieces keep getting added onto it. Um, so when my, my wife's been doing hair, for, we're only allowed to say over 20 years. I can't give you an exact date because <laughs> she gets upset. Um, but we wanted to open a green space salon. Wow. We had three small children at home. So the environment and organic products and things were really important in our household. Mm -hmm. So we were kind of bouncing around on what we were going to name the salon. So we already had the space picked out. Oddly enough, most of the time you have the name before you have the place. We had the place. We had the motto. We had the things we wanted to do, but just couldn't hone in on an actual name. So uh, I went back, you know, when you graduate beauty school, apparently you write a list of all these names you would name your salon if you opened one. And they were very standardized, you know, no offense to typical salon names, but they were very typical salon names. And then she had one on there, uh, the Beehive, which was homage then to the retro style hair, hairdo. My wife loves the sixties and 
always thought that was really cool. More traditional, you know, hair coming out of London and, and really funky stuff. And I honed in on that and said, hey, you know, the bees and that and the beehive, that could actually work really well for what we wanted to do. And she wasn't completely sold. And <laughs> here we are, um, like I said, three kids. So we're actually probably 50 yards from each other in a parking lot. She's in the car with the baby sleeping. I have my middle one who's sleeping on my shoulder in a diaper. And my son is at some peewee soccer league running around. And we have our, air, our we didn't have AirPods then, right? So we have like plugged in <laughs> headphones. And uh, it was only 10 years ago. Technology has advanced so far. And we're having this whole conversation. And I'm like, listen, I have to get the paperwork in for the for the name like tomorrow like you need to decide and she's not the decider typically like that's she likes the final decision to not be on her mm -hmm. and uh as we're talking i feel this really sharp pinch in my arm and i wind up getting stung by a bee underneath <laughs> the baby's diaper so i said there you go the universe just made the decision for us and the beehive was born but what's crazy is when we did the logo um we had used a picture of gene shrimpton from the 60s it was a cover shot and for those of you who don't know, Gene Shrimpton in London was sort of the it model back in the days then. Mm -hmm. And it had flowers in her hair. And I said, I'd love to sort of recreate that as part of our logo. And, and we were able to do it. It's worked well. And now we're getting into our 10th anniversary next year. So we said, you know, maybe it's time to update. Maybe we have to kind of ditch her for a while. We were trying to be on the fence. And I swear over the last two weeks, I've come in contact with so many older London hairdressers that actually worked on her. There was some connection to her. Uh, my friend David Kinningsing, who wrote the hairdresser's handbook, um, he used her as his use for his head sheets. Um, wow. like, just crazy. I, I spoke to, um, uh, we're doing a tribute show to Vidal in May. So I'm talking to some people that actually worked with him or for him. He's there either as assistants years ago. Mm -hmm. And how many of them it's like, oh, and Gene Shrimpton was in this time. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't think we can get rid of her now. I think it's the universe is telling me that. Listen, I'd rather have an old story come up than get stung by a bee again. You know, uh, hopefully, hopefully the universe is being kinder to me after 10 years. You must have a slight obsession with bees, though, because you've actually just gone and built the business model of your salon around how bees actually work. Am I right in saying that? You are. And and that was sort of the, the, the future part. You know, so like I said, it kind of modifies itself and, uh, you know, bees and the way our team worked together and education became really important, making sure the team was really cohesive. So that was sort of the add on and the similarities to how a beehive is. And now fast forward all these years later and working with so many salon owners through the pandemic, how it's sort of as an industry being able to do the same thing. So it's been it's been really, really cool. So just how close are we to becoming a beekeeper at this stage? You know, every April, we sort of review our eco plan and say, what can we do different? What can we do better? And I have to be honest with you, the beehive, like an actual physical beehive has been on the list every year for about <laughs> the last five. I've even had someone, uh, it's funny, we had a few options. There's a company out of uh, Australia that makes something called a flow hive, which okay. is a little bit easier for backyard beekeepers to keep because you don't have to take the frames out. It's sort of like, a, listen, for you Guinness fans in Ireland, it's sort of like having honey on tap right in the yard. Um, and I, I spoke to them and, and they were able to, they were going to come, they were going to come help us set it up and things. And I got a little bit nervous and uh, we're friendly with um, Marina Marchese, who she has a, a small farm called Red Bee. She's the only American trained by the Slow Food Presidio in Italy to be a honey expert. And she's been a client of ours and, and we're very friendly with her. And she's even come to our space and said, you know, you can put one here and it would be really <laughs> cool because clients could see it. And, you know, as the person that I should probably take a step back as the person that was adopted into the hair industry 10 years ago and does not do hair. That means that I would have to also be the beekeeper among <laughs> the person that changes the light bulbs and does the marketing and does the other things. So just don't know if I'm ready yet. So for anyone tuning in, I'd just like to reiterate, this is in fact a podcast for salon owners. We're not just talking about beekeeping. We're going to save that one for next week. <laughs> that's, that's a perfect timing. Imagine if you actually get stung by a bee again this year. I think that'll be a calling. I think you're going to have to you know, become a beekeeper as well. Well, it's funny. We, I've actually had that argument with beekeepers. Um, you know, when you grow up in urban areas that have, you know, I grew up in a city and it had a really big park. So usually in the summer times when you're a kid and don't have school, it's sort of like you're at some type of camp, you know, it's mm -hmm. not real camping, but for the day. And I've been stung by bees so many times that every time I meet a beekeeper, they want to challenge it that, you know, it wasn't a honeybee that stung you. 
you know, it's one of those other guys, you know, it's not really. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, listen, man, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's probably happened about 20 times in my life. And I've joked with Marina and she says, that's impossible. Bees are so nice. What, what are you doing to these bees? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, wrong place at the wrong time, I guess. Oh, uh, God. So I suppose before we get sidetracked any longer, um, let's just take it back a step. Because when when you said that uh, you had the location first for your salon, you knew that the idea in your head was you wanted to be a green certified salon. Well, since then, you've gone on to be certified gold at Green America and certified platinum with the Green Business Bureau. What does it actually mean to be green certified? Well, so different certifications based on what they are will have different parameters around them. So the Green Business Bureau would be more business focused, um, you know, in terms of what you do for your employees, which is uh, maybe like a mini version of a B Corp or a Benefit Corp type of thing. So they're not going to be as strict or as stringent in the rules, but but it's a good starting point. And in the same respect with Green America, that's something that almost anyone, uh, any type of business can get involved in. And that really is just um, just as much about humanitarian and community issues as it is about sustainable practices. So mm. there, if you merge them together, it's almost like B Corp um, because it kind of covers both facets. And now we're in the process of another certification. Um, fingers crossed, I have a few more things to submit that was really crazy and really hard um, that Davinus is championing through the University of Parma in Italy. Uh, Parma, if anybody doesn't know that, uh, by the way, food is great in Parma, but um, Parma is sort of this this very environmental hub, um, very big into you know, local food and, and sustainability for the planet, even in terms of culture and art. Like I know Europe is obviously has a has a lot more history in that end, but Parma is just this little universe of its own. Uh, and I have to be honest with you, this is so hard. Uh, paperwork <laughs> involved. And uh, what was interesting is, like I said, every April we sort of go back, and we've been working on this for about a month now in review. And some of the challenges that they asked and some of the questions really caused us to go back in and reflect on our practices. And I know there's going to always be a divide between the U.S. or North America and, and Europe in terms of what they do and what is a federal law, what is a state law. But there was a lot of legalese and things that they had that I had to go back in and look. And we actually had to update our company manual. And what was interesting is that, uh, you know, we talk a lot, I guess I should say, we used to say the three R's, right? Reduce, reuse, recycle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now we're sort of changing our, our motto and saying environmental, ethical, and equitable is the new, it's the three E's now. Oh, okay. um, and that's sort of our next round of modernization going into our 10th year is to look at it that way. We already recycle. We're, we're the best salon recycler we could possibly be. So we need to modify that as well. And that certification asked a lot of those questions where we had to go back and poll our staff. And I mean, we have a really tight knit crew. We, uh, we've, most of our staff has been there seven years or more. Um, wow. So almost since we opened and there was just some, they weren't awkward questions, but you know, in the last staff meeting, I said, Hey, you know, we need a satisfaction survey. How do you think our environmental causes are? And, you know, and they're looking they're like, we work together every day. Why? Right? Of course we know, but it just, <laughs> it just wasn't something that was physically on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a good way to just not take it for granted that people just understand automatically. And it's like, oh, hey, we're the same. We, we do this. So it was really eye opening for us. Yeah, it's like almost like having a culture fit. It's ensuring that people are on the same values, same principles as you. Mm. Yeah. And it's interesting that during this time, because there were so many activism based issues that weren't necessarily salon rated or weren't necessarily environmental, I, I would still consider them sustainable in my brain. But um you know, the, you, you work with people really closely and you say, you know, I, I don't think we have to vote the same way. I don't think we have to have all the same views, but you definitely have to make sure you're open to the communication and the conversation because there was a stretch there, not in our business, not in our salon, not in a lot of salons overall. I think that the menagerie that the salon industry is, is sort of a really nice eclectic mix, but it was a little heated here in the States um, for months and months besides the masks. And you know, you just had to, yeah. it, was, it was interesting. And I think it's important to make sure the lines of communication are open with your clients and your staff. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've previously mentioned, and you've uh, talked about this on the episode of B2020 with Ronan, but you're also the co-founder of the Salon Movement. Generally speaking, sustainability um, is made up, or I suppose is known to be made up of like three pillars. Um, you're talking economy, society, the environment. You can also like refer to them as like profit, people, and planet. 
But under the Salon movement, you have four pillars of business sustainability. Can you tell us what they are and how you guys define them specifically? Sure. So, uh, I mean, environmentalism definitely is something that's part of that. Um, and, you know, whether it's in the traditional sense that people would use at home, um, it also applies back to the salon industry and things like salon waste and waste to make your salon more environmental just as an operating business. Um, mm-hmm. Salons make a very different kind of waste um, than other businesses do. And sometimes it could be a lot more, a lot more water usage, a lot more uh, chemical waste and things. So that's sort of its own little piece within there. Uh, we consider education to be something really important. Um, if you don't have uh, a staff that's really educated and empowered to learn more, it doesn't necessarily always have to be technical haircutting education. There's a lot of mm-hmm. different things that your staff may be responsive to, uh, whether it's personal finance and things that would help them be better in their own households. Uh, those that's education mm-hmm. is definitely a key. And maybe that's being a parent of three that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm been virtually homeschooling three kids for the last year. So <laughs> I can see the differences between all three of them. And one of them, I almost have straight A's. The other two, I don't know. So I have a 33% chance of being a great educator <laughs> if you lump in those grades. Um, if you get one true, you're fine. That's it, right? That's I'm looking for. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll settle for that. Um, I, I can't do 50-50, so I have to settle for that. Um, at retail is an important component. And the reason being for our end is that the way salons operate in the profit model, usually profits are very slim in salons overall. It's just, there are ways to, to fix that, but at some point there's only so much that, you know, that percentage isn't gonna change too much at some point. Mm-hmm. It has to be modified in other ways. And retail is a great way because if you do want to be a more sustainable salon, you're going to have to align yourself with a product line that has some similarity to that, which yeah. means it may be cruelty-free, it may be vegan, it may be organic. Um, it'll definitely have some of those components in their ingredients and their company process. So retail is a great driver if that matches with what your salon does in terms of sustainability. So like Davines with the slow food component, um, I love that. And when I talk to salon owners about retail, you know, food is a big part of everybody's life, right? Yeah. You have to eat. I, there's, it's one of the basics. So it's a great segue sometimes in conversation with your clients because it does have these heirloom protected ingredients um, that is just interesting conversation. It's not easy sometimes when you say, hey, you know, my salon is named the Beehive, but we're saving pandas. Like sometimes, <laughs> yeah. the, you know, the disconnect. No, I love yeah, pandas. Yeah. No, listen, nothing. Pandas are fantastic, um, especially when they're little babies and they're on video 24 hours a day. They're so cute. <laughs> uh, but, but that communicating that sometimes that food component for us has been a nice segue to keep the conversation back into what we do and why we do it. Uh, great way to bring farmers markets into the play. Our, our joke is we would probably be the only salon ever that could set up a stand at a farmer's market and people wouldn't be like, why is this hair salon at the farmer's market? Like, <laughs> we could make it make sense. Yeah. Um, but, but the retail driver more importantly is that if you can learn how to be good at the retail component, that frees up other profits that aren't attached to a body per se. Mm. So you have more stretch that you can do with those funds. You can support more charities. You can do more things because if your salon is operating at a 10% profit margin, which what I hear stat wise is actually good for the industry, uh, that retail could be a big driver. You can use that and say, you know, this product is going to support this cause this month or whatever that is, whether it's an activism cause or an environmental cause, I consider those the same as well. Um, it's just, I don't want to say it's found money, but it's a good way to kind of connect the dots between what the cause is and what the salon is doing and, and troubleshooting and actually giving them something good for their hair. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's a conversation for another podcast, but, um, and, and the marketing component is our fourth, um, communicating that message to your staff and clients is where most places fall off. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell you how many times we get a new client. So maybe it's a referral, which is always our favorite. And it's the sister or a coworker of someone that comes in and gets our message and understands. And then they walk in and they're just like, why is this here? Why is this? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's hundred year old barn siding behind our retail. Oh, they're just, they weren't integrated in a normal way. Mm-hmm. And that's partially our fault, right? We, you know, if we had a better intake, I don't know clients that are worried about breaking up with a hairstylist. I don't know how much they want to know about the recycling. Uh, you know, it may not be the first thing that's in their head. Um, but sort of marketing that in salon, doing different things. Our recycling center um, is between our cutting floor and our color room. So, and it's across from our color dispensary, color bar, whichever version you like. And you can't miss it. 
and we partition six different things that we physically we recycle all but there's six things that they can see and they're differentiated yeah so when they walk through that area they can't miss it and they also it's been designed over the years we've modified it that they won't throw their stupid styrofoam coffee cup in it mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's obvious enough that this is only gloves this is only foils this is only this um, but they ask about it and it looks nice and you know we're hoping to redo our color bar to sort of make that more of a feature than something that you hide under the counter gotcha um, so that clients really get it so they physically see it with their eyes and they get it without having to say hey we know you're having trouble with your hair but we also do this really cool thing. So um, there's there's some nice, easy ways that you can do that on the marketing side. Mm. You mentioned there a few times about the, the retail, the products, so locally sourced products, um, whether that's from producers nearby, organic or vegan. But I suppose kind of for a few years, there's always been the stigma that these products are expensive. They're like, they're not products that you would get from your convenience store everyday items. Has that kind of, ever inhibited part of this model or has it actually been more beneficial? Are people more inclined to buy organic, locally sourced products than you would think? You know, it, it's it's getting easier and it's becoming more mainstream. Um, you know, whether you love or hate Amazon, I think Amazon buying Whole Foods is sort of an indicator to say, I mean, uh, it just came out today. I think uh, Bezos is worth like $177 billion or something. So for the fourth year in yeah, a row, he's the richest my ver- billionaire. <laughs> my, my very distant uncle, I'm waiting for you just to you know, help <laughs> me with, with one of my environmental causes. Um, but, it, but it is getting a little bit easier and it definitely is becoming more mainstream, mm. but you're back to the same type of differences where 10 years ago, it was parabens and sulfates in products, right? Yeah. The, the better products are the ones that were considered more natural, didn't have them. Now, almost all of them don't have it. Um, you know, the cruelty free versus vegan. So um, give you a little lesson for anybody that's on listening. Um, the interesting thing is some products don't qualify as vegan, um, being the beehive, if a product has beeswax, if a product has propolis, if the product has even honey in it, um, it no longer qualifies as vegan because vegans are very strict with their diets and they consider that an animal byproduct. Uh, doesn't mean any bees were hurt in making this product, but um, same thing like uh, sheep's wool and you'll have different things that they... Um, that just wouldn't qualify it as vegan. But I think in those cases, it's okay um, to at least go for cruelty-free, but you're seeing most lines now are trying to get, you know, that little bunny or something on there that says they're cruelty-free. So I think that will be your next wave, mm. that it's just going to be a thing that, um, you know, we're not going to, everything's going to be cruelty-free. So it'll it'll modernize. It just takes time. And the cost is definitely an issue. Yeah. Uh, the bigger problem with traditional salon owners now is doing that switch because they, tend to hold too much inventory. So back to our retail component, the flip side of that is what do you do with those products? If you said, hey, we want to go clean, yeah. we want to switch out. So it's just the plan of action, just like anything else you, re- you would do that would increase your um, environmentalism and decrease your carbon footprint. It just takes a little bit of planning and it may not happen overnight unless, unfortunately, unless you had the money like Jeff Bezos does. <laughs> Yeah. Well, speaking of which, I mean, eco salons are becoming increasingly popular around the world, right? Um, what are some of the benefits of going green versus like, I suppose, the effort you need to put into to uh, make that happen? Like, do you get new clients? Do you have a better younger generation appeal? Like, what's it like for you? Yeah, you know, we're in a really interesting time. Um, you are seeing eco salons becoming more popular and especially in our area where we are in northern New Jersey. Um, you have this very interesting mix that's happening. So I know everyone likes to lock in these generations and kind of say, you know, born this date and through this date, you're in this generation. But technology is is shortening that gap overall, um, just mentally. So if you're a salon, typically you would do hair color of some sort. Typically your bigger clients or your, your bigger frequency of visit clients are going to be people covering gray hair. So they're probably of a certain age. And now you're having people that are Gen Z that are starting to come up in the ranks and become salon clients. And maybe they have jobs and they're finally paying for their own haircuts. (laughs) So you're sort of in this interesting divide where the older clients are definitely more ingredient conscious because of ailments, Mm -hmm. right? Now people are on medications and have different issues. Um, Unfortunately, things like cancer and um, those types of medications, thyroid issues, they all affect hair and hair color. So that's becoming one component. And now you have the Gen Z coming up where things that are environmental or companies that have a cause um, are important to them. So 
it's going to have to happen at some point eventually. And this year I said, it's not about just shopping local. It's going to be about shopping intentional. Yeah. So that's going to be a very big thing. And the eco salon component, whether you call yourself an eco salon or not, um, it's just going to be that, that mantra and that company message internally is going to be just as important as being on the outside signage. Yeah, that makes sense. So James, you've already kind of clarified for us on the retail front, but what other shifts can you make in your business, maybe from like an operational stance to become more sustainable? Yeah, you know, I think that salons over the last year have learned about the technology component and using that to their advantage. Mm -hmm. Um, One interesting thing is that, you know, text messaging, which obviously Forrest has a great uh, build in on that. And and some of the marketing and email marketing, finding clients that haven't been back. um, There's a lot of little things that can do it. And and obviously this is a Forrest radio show. So, and I'm a Forrest user, so it's okay for me to say it. Um, (laughs) But it hasn't paid for advertisement. No, it is not. (laughs) Um, it's, it's got a really nice suite to be able to, to close in the gaps on some of that, because one of the interesting things that people have realized now is personal time has become just as much a part of your mental profit as what your business is doing. I mean, you have tons of salon owners that work behind the chair and change the light bulbs and take out the garbage and do the scheduling. And people are looking back and saying, that's just not a sustainable way of living, even if I ate grass and did everything and lived in a mud hut, uh, just mentally, uh, you know, things like that are actually coming back. And, you know, profitability will be measured in much different ways. If you, um, you know, you're seeing salons now that said, hey, you know, Zoe, you work five days a week and you're going to work 12 hours a day. And uh, they're going to look at your frequency of visit rates and things and say you're at 60%. Well, why can't Zoe work three or four days a week, be fully booked in those days, be mentally happy, take an education class off site? or online during that day off and be recharged and come back on Tuesday and say, wow, I'm really excited to be here this week. I learned a new balayage technique or something interesting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the profit can be measured differently. And, and what's funny is by condensing that down, you'll actually see that you'll be able to raise prices, get better clientele, uh, do more services, do more add-on services and things. So there's a lot of measure to that too, that I think we haven't seen yet that maybe by next year, people will say, okay, hey, that was something that actually was super profitable because it just condensed things down and kind of you know, scrambled the eggs a little more and made it work. Um, you know, also looking at same thing with your lines that you carry. There's just so many old school indicators in the salon business that mm-hmm. need to be looked at again. There's a reason why some things worked really, really well. You know, extra services being added onto the client, things like back bar treatments and different things that happen seasonally. Um, I think that salon owners and stylists need to go back and look at some of the troubleshooting, what made them experts, right? We were all so missed in the months that we were closed and and listen, poor Canada still has salons that hopefully by the time this airs are finally open, um, you know, you were missed and you were such an expert. Well, go back to that expert status and go back to say, Hey, this is why, you know, you don't call your uncle to come fix a clogged toilet. If it's Mm -hmm. really clogged, right. You're going to call a professional. So you're not going to call your aunt to go bleach your hair in the kitchen and then say, oh, my God, now we really need a professional because unfortunately, water can be vacuumed up and cleaned. There's people that remediate that hair that falls out is basically going to take a while to come back. Yeah. <laughs> Fair point. I really enjoyed your whole thing about condensing the work week because that's actually becoming a popular topic over in the EU at the moment, like the Scandinavian mm-hmm. countries do it. So to all business owners out there, absolutely on board working less days, but like maybe longer. I don't know. <laughs> well, but like I said, the problem is going go going back to that is that you can be more profitable that way, not yeah. just mentally, but if you see the correlation between the two is that, you know, if your bees are happy, they're going to work better in the hive. They're going to be more productive. Um, so it's sort of counter and counterproductive sometimes to say, let's, can we make an eighth day of the week? Can we be open eight days? Is there a way? Can we stay open 24 hours a day? Um, it's just never going to work that way. So if you can do that, it actually can raise your game. Mm-hmm. The salon makes more exclusivity in the salon, right? Um, I'm a huge fan of no walk-ins. I know I get flack for that every time I say it on a call, but you know, I want to be a two week waiting period not just because of the pandemic and sanitation, disinfection and cleaning between clients. I want to be an exclusive place where they say, man, if I don't call there, if I leave and don't rebook my appointment, there might be a chance that I may have to miss and not get back in or worse, get replaced. So 
we like that urgency and that's going to make you more profitable because it's just easier at that point. It's just the flow works better. Yeah. And I really like the the uh, nuance that you brought with the profitability for the mental health side of things, because that's never something I would have associated, I suppose, with profitability. But you're so right. Like, it's so important for sure. Um, I want to bring it back a little bit to the salon waste. Um, are there any specific ingredients like in the back bar products that can be on like salon owners radars ahead of time? Like so like looking at what you can buy and use so that you can reduce waste from the get-go. Um, and also, like, how, how do you get, how do you uh, sort through that waste? Like, how do you um, dispose of it? Well, plastics is always the first thing. So um, I guess I would take the big part and go back to the smaller parts. So, you know, fortunately, there are places like our friends at Green Circle Salons that handle all of that. Um, you know, we do talk to a lot of salon owners that are new signups with Green Circle. And one of the first words of warning is um, make sure that you have a, a clean space or cleanable space that you can do that um, because hairstylists tend to be in the thick of it sometimes. And, you know, it's like the Swedish chef from the Muppets and foils are flying with color on them all over. <laughs> um, so as long as it's an easy, accessible space, doesn't even that doesn't really have to be visible to the clients. If it's close to the, the wash stations or the sink area so that it's easy for them to operate, they will recycle more if it's that much easier. Um, mm -hmm. So Green Circle fortunately does a lot of those things. They take hair, they take chemicals, they take metal, they take um, some of the harder to recycle things. But just the basics, get rid of the plastic straws in the salon. Um, I'm not a huge straw lover, uh, unless I'm having a pina colada on the beach, looking at a, a very, very hot day, <laughs> then I may want some type of straw in there. But uh, to be honest with you, I could drink something else if the straw was the, was the deal breaker. Um, but, you know, plastic cups and plastic water bottles, they're just horrible. Um, plastic overall is just one of the worst things because it, it typically it is not even re recycled well. So even if you say, hey, we recycle all these plastic bottles, um, it's just the capacity. It's not like glass. They just haven't revolutionized that mechanism to be able to recycle plastic in a really good way. So the percentage is really low. Um, you can mm -hmm. use glass if you are serving um, you know, or when you can in the States serve water and coffee and tea or whatever you choose in the salon. Um, glass looks nice. It's really cheap to get, you know, custom branded. You could put sayings on your cups. You could put your logo on your cups. You can make them fun. I mean, um, ours say, uh, some of ours say, I've got my mind on my honey and my honey on my mind. Um, <laughs> I love yeah. that. So, you were just all about the bees. <laughs> yeah. So it's just funny when people get it. Um, when people come in, we've had people that want to, you know, they drink their tea and they say, we well, can I buy this cup. And I'm like, I, I guess. <laughs> I've never thought of it as a saleable item, but sure. Um, but you can integrate and make things fun without with very little work. And how long does it take to wash a cup? Uh, mm -hmm. Even our color bowls, uh, we use glass color bowls. Um, so it's just funkier. You could even get them mismatched. Uh, I would say make sure that they're stackable behind your color bar because that's the two mismatched. It becomes like the under, you know, the the Tupperware cabinet or the pots and pans in your house and they're all whole yeah. mess. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's nice. And when you present that to the client and they see this funky glass bowl and whether it's vintage from a yard sale or something, it just has so much more um, flair to it that it just keeps, it's just another miniature facet to make it interesting and then adds to your environmentalism so they're like oh my god that's so cute where did you get that and hey, as a matter of fact it's sustainable so it kind of gives you a segue to have those conversations um, when you look at any of the really hard stuff um, black plastic in the states is really hard your plastic tops um, they have something called um, recycle coach here in the states mm -hmm. i don't know if it's something that resonates across the pond um, but you can actually go to services like that. You can type in what the material is and they can tell you if you can or cannot recycle it locally. If you have a local hauling company, uh, there's little triangles on the bottom of most plastic things that have a number in it. Yep. Um, you'd be surprised at what you think you're recycling that you find out that your own local at home says, hey, we don't take number five. And mm. you've been putting number five in the whole time. And that can actually contaminate an entire batch. So it's, you know, just a matter of being aware, I think, is, is something that can help. And if you want to do it, uh, I never want to call it the easy way, but Green Circle does a lot of the heavy lifting for you, for sure. It's like, it's quite clear that plastic is the main culprit for kind of like these causes and stuff. But the reason we use them is because they're cheap. They're disposable, doesn't really cost a whole lot, and there's no cleanup involved. So if you're going to replace all of that and you're going to bring in like glasses, things that need to be maintained, cleaned, 
costs a little more in the initial purchase. Like, I, I assume that those, um, they're going to start costing you a bit more. So should you start incorporating like a fee? I think the best way to describe this is if you're getting like fast food, if, if you sit in, you pay a little bit more than if you were to take it away because they're not having to deal with any of the service or the cl- cleaning of those products. So should you kind of uh, assume those fees or would you put those back on the client? You know, it's a tough one because some salons, um, especially here in the States with the PPE, yeah, um, you know, there was the debate of um, don't do anything different price-wise because we're afraid they're not going to come back. Ones that said, hey, we're going to enact uh, an XYZ fee, mm. five, you know, $2, $5, whatever. And then other ones that just said, hey, we're going to raise the prices because of scarcity of appointments. And that's just the way it's going to be. Um, there was a big divide over what to do with that. It's true. Uh, yeah. We do have a lot of green circle friends that incorporate like an eco fee, just like if you were going to dispose of the oil in your car that do add that in. Um, we just chose to add that into our service pricing overall to make the service ticket. Um, you don't want them to give a choice, right? And I always joke, um, uh, very friendly with the, with the guys over at Strategies. Neil Dukoff has been very nice mm-hmm. to me over my nine years and giving me some super sound advice um, for the salon community. And they have happiness, right? So they actually incorporate that into their software where if someone buys product and someone rebooks their appointment, it says happiness. So it's something searchable. So something cool for you guys is even if, and I know Forrest has great reporting, if there's ways that you can't report something you want to track, you can barcode your own stuff like happiness and you can scan it at the desk and it's something that you can measure and and search. So whether it counts as a retail item or counts as a service, you can actually put that in and it's pretty easy to do. Um, and when they get the receipt and they're like, well, what is this happiness on the receipt? I don't know. <laughs> the happiness, the happiness was free of charge. I mean, it's like, you know, so people ask, people are, are, are conditioned now to kind of look at the bottom line of those bills. So it's a tough call, but I think if it's something we go back to the marketing and talking about your ego message and communicating that if the clients knew that that was there. And if you said to them, Hey, listen, we were going to raise prices, but we opted to not do that and add this as a separate line item because it's more trackable for us and we can see our, you know, our, our eco footprint and what we're doing. They need to understand that because the new client that gets referred in, like I said, is going to not care about your message if they don't know it. They're not going to care at the bottom line. They're just going to say, hey, why is this an extra dollar twenty-five? And then now you're having an awkward conversation, right? Instead of making it a really beautiful and, and fun and interesting conversation, now it's like, reception is like, do I, do I take the eco fee off? Do I, what do I do now? Like, you know, it just gets to be a little bit hairy. No pun intended. (laughs) I I love that happiness idea. That's genius. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I guess my question to you now is there's probably people listening to this who are already eco-friendly, uh, already, you know, uh, have already in- integrated sustainable practices in their own salon and some who uh, are looking into maybe doing that. So what are maybe two or three things um, for people to do or to start with for people who haven't yet integrated sustainable practices in their salon? And then what are maybe two or three things for people to uh, who have done that already to push things further a bit more? Well, ironically, the first one is the same for both because, and this only comes from our end because we do we do watch and measure what we use, but we never really kept good detailed records of it until we were going for this new certification. Um, but but know what it is. I mean, you can pull down data like your client count or service count, so you know what that blended mix of how many clients did we see, what types of services we did we do, and look at your your electricity, your gas, your water usage for those months. And at least have that as a reference point to know like what's uh, what's going on. And, and ironically, what happens is in your house, if uh, you know, I know what my water bill at home is, right? And it's gone up exponentially now that I've three kids. They're all getting closer to teenage years, so more showering, <laughs> more laundry washing, and all those things. So I kind of have a gauge as to where that number is. But if you spring a leak, you know, last year um, we had a leak in the hose outside. We had a weird, of course, during the pandemic. What else could possibly happen to us? Um, but it was just an old hose bit outside that sprung a leak. It's on the side. We almost never even go on that side of the house to see it. And all of a sudden, they see my water bill go up by an exponential amount. And I said, there's got to be something wrong. And sure enough, I wound up doing an inspection. So if you're watching that type of thing, that just helps you from a catastrophe, right? If your salon yeah. sinks are leaking into the basement, and you don't know it. and You find out your 
water heater is leaking something crazy, the cost factor that goes with that would basically eradicate anything that you may have in that you know, community fund that you want to donate to a project, right? So like there are some things that they have to do in terms of measuring and, and keeping an eye on it on both sides of it, um, just to know. The, the better thing for starters is to start those recycling habits with things that you can recycle that don't have an additional cost, right? So yeah. find out what your hauling company, what do they take locally? What don't they take locally? And start on that because if you don't have that, you can't just flip the switch and say, hey, now we're green circle and we do this. And to be honest, there's so much additional waste that comes out of it. We sort of do a hybrid model where we do send things back to um, you know, our local hauling company that they will take and some things go to green circle because otherwise the waste, you wouldn't even believe, uh, maybe you would, how much waste actually comes out. So you're going to need some type of, um, you know, some type of back and forth. So make sure that your recycling is sound. Uh, make sure that your staff knows Sometimes as owners, we go in and say, hey, we want to do this really cool thing and we're going to be green circle. And the staff has no idea what that is. Mm -hmm. um, I always say the, the word sustainability, I feel like it's thrown around so much now. Um, it's been around for 30 years. It actually was more business focused than environmental um, 30 years ago. And, you know, the viability or sustainability of your business more than the green aspects. Yeah. So make sure that you're communicating. And like I said, those things go for both sides, people that are, have experience with being green and people that are starters. Uh, the starters, easiest thing that they can do tomorrow, uh, go to EcoHeads, our friends at EcoHeads, make this really funky uh, basin spout that goes on that reduces your water usage at the sink by 70%. Um, it also makes a rain soft feel for the client. So it has an influence over the client experience, which is nice. I mean, we all know you know, that dorm room shower that's like hammering you like, you know, uh, like you just <laughs> yeah. joined the army um, versus the, the nice newer rain soft ones where you're like, oh, you know, try not to stay in the rain soft ones too long, people. We don't want you wasting too much water. But um, but just that little thing for a couple hundred dollars can lower your water bill by 70 percent, can add to your customer experience. They're they're resilient. So they last a long time. So it's not something that's uh, that's disposable, per se, which is good. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's a great one for for those people. And the people that have experience start something on the activism side, you know, get out there. I know, uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, mental health being part of your profitability, but, you know, expand outside of your salon environment and, and do something, whatever the cause is, pull your staff, you know, see what they're, what are uh, some issues that speak to them. I mean, sometimes you'd be surprised that you work with someone for so long and you didn't know that they had a family member that struggled with some certain type of illness or something that, you know, maybe something the salon can get behind. There are a lot of salon-based charities that exist already. Um, things about, you know, X marks the spot through the Professional Beauty Association. Um, Cut It Out is another one um, in terms of yeah. domestic violence. Um, our friends Mondays at Racine um, deal with people that are um, going through cancer treatment. Um, it, it doesn't matter. There are so many awesome causes. Justice and Soul is a great one. Matt Fairfax, our good friend in Cambodia. Um, so there, there are things that have a double edge of helping something champion a cause and come back into the salon environment. Those are easy ones. Pick a big one, pick an easy one. They're there. Well, James, you're obviously the expert in all of this. So for someone listening to this episode and they want to kind of like dip, uh, dip their toe in the water, just kind of get a feel for what is required from them to start going green. Where can you go online to actually find out more information about making that switch? So uh, obviously our friends at Green Circle Salons are, are a great starting point to get information about uh, you know, what they do in recycling. Like I said, it's something that could be incorporated really easily. There is a cost to it. Um, my favorite new way and what I teach salon owners now is get involved. Uh, you know, EcoHeads would be the very first thing because it's something you can, you don't even need a plumber half the time. You could just screw them on, it's like done. You get them in a box and they're shipped like a new iPhone sort of, right? They, they're in a very, very sexy packaging, which, you know, you open them up and, you know, you hear like uh, harps playing when you open it. Um, <laughs> but, but that's the easiest first thing that you can do, very cost-effective. Um, have a discussion with our friends at Vish. Um, Vish salons, you can go to. What's amazing about Vish is it has multifacets and what it can do for you because it can lower your inventory It'll monitor your color waste, give you what you should be charging back to the client. So even though they are trying to reduce your waste overall, they're also on the other side saying, hey, you're using more color for these clients that they should be paying more. So it's got that really nice balance and the dashboard is measurable. So you'll see a number that's on there of what you're saving and you know what you're recapturing. 
and then take that immediately and then apply that to green circle. So if you said, well, there's a fee for Vish, there's a fee for green circle, there's a cost to EcoHeads, um, by kind of doing them in conjunction with each other, you can almost balance that money out so it becomes zero cost. And right away, you've just increased your, your environmentalism by you know a 1,000% in a day. Um, you get the rain soft feel for the client experience, give something to talk about at the back bar, which is usually people's favorite part of the service, yeah. right? Little head massage and they're there. So you get to influence that. You have your nice recycling bins from Green Circle that are there. Um, so they see them. So it gives another conversation point. And then your staff, when they get to actually see what they're wasting um, from the color bowls, it gives you the staff conversation to say like, you know, this is, you know, literally this is money we're washing down the drain, which isn't good for the environment and definitely isn't good for the bottom line. So it sort of gives you this three-way aspect of being able to integrate all of those things really fluidly yeah. um, and effortlessly, which I love. So um, just before I ask you the thought starter question of the week, um, how can people get involved in the salon movement? So you can find us on Instagram um, at Salon Movement. You can catch us there. Um, you can reach out to us anytime. We do have some information up on our website, which is salonmovement.com. Uh, we try to update as much as possible. It's not as easy to update during Earth Month. Um, <laughs> I, I make a lot of rounds weekly through the Beauty Business Reset, which you can find us on Facebook. So we'll have Valerie Tate from Sustain Beauty Co. on with us as our kicker to start Earth Week off, which is pretty cool. We're excited about that. And I believe Valerie will be our 98th episode since the pandemic started last year. So, um, you know, we've, we've nearly at that hundred milestone, hundred yeah. milestone. Um, and, and we always have open discussions through that in, in terms of, you know, different things for uh, sustainability. Like I said, not just in the traditional recycling sense, but in making sure that you're doing best practices. And I think that is the biggest thing, best practices. If you're mm. looking at the future of where you want to be, doesn't mean you have to be there tomorrow. Just means that you have to start to think about it. And that's hopefully what we're doing for people. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, as for the thought starter question of the week, what do you need to do by the end of the year to make this year meaningful? You know, it's very interesting as a thought starter question. Um, <laughs> 2020 was the year consumers changed their habits, supporting local and buying online. Online purchases increased by 50%. Social media influenced 55% of those decisions, and 70% said they'd buy online again. So this begs the question, how well did your salon adapt? The good news is, Forrest now has an online health score calculator. In less than five minutes, you can get your own bespoke report with tips on how to improve your online marketing, social media, online reputation, and salon website. Take the assessment today at forrest.com slash online hyphen health hyphen score. I, you know, I think reflection is what I would say is the biggest thing for me, for everybody to go back. I know, um, you know, I, I never want to take for granted what this pandemic did, not just for the poor people that had passed from it or the poor people that are still struggling being sick. Um, mm -hmm. but, but look at what, what came out of it in terms of your household and mental health and hopefully people, you know, a lot of COVID dogs and, a lot of happy children with COVID puppies that are about a year old now that got a lot bigger than they thought they did when they purchased them. Um, but, it, but it's definitely a time to reflect back and, you know, what was your business doing wrong before the pandemic that really said, wow, I wish we would have done that better. Um, you know, mm -hmm. you're, you need to really go back and do those things. And I think you should do it every year. I, I love the fact of April being in the month to do that, not just because it's earth month, but it's sort of a change of scene, change of scenery, um, you start to think about things differently. So I would say make that part of your mantra is now go back and say, hey, every April, we're going to do a reflection point and say, what could we have done better overall? And, and make sure that you tell people that, you know, it's it's hard when you don't say, hey, I wish we would have handled that differently. And now in this culture of companies going back and retracting statements that they made, and we didn't mean that when we said yeah. it. Um, you know, is to make sure if that's going to be your annual meeting and you're going to take my advice and say, hey, spring has sprung and we're going to do our, our reset is to go back and say, hey, listen, I wish we would have done that differently. I wish we would have handled that differently and ask for opinions. I mean, the, you know, it's there's no harm in asking your staff just like you could, you know, you'd think that it would be funny to ask your kids and say, hey, you know, what, what could we be doing differently in the house that would make it better for you? And we've had those conversations because of uh, because of them being virtually schooled. So behind me, I know you can't see because this is the radio. This is the, 
the school system set up up here. So I lost, <laughs> I lost my really cool studio for doing our live calls, but, but I think reflection is something that we, that we should do definitely this year. And we should, we should make on our continual yearly plan and go back and see what can we do better. Mm. Reflection and using the time to embrace humility, owning up to what didn't work really good. Exactly. Perfect for your spring clean. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, listen, James, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you and so much information that we're hope to get out like as soon as possible for Earth Day. So thanks again. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Avil. So just to follow up what James is saying about incurring additional costs up front when you are getting started with becoming a green salon, Forest is actually proud to have added a new feature to Forest, custom fees. Now you can incorporate additional fees into your prices to cover costs like PPE to provide a safer space for your clients. But to tie it back to our topic today, Green Circle Salons can add a green fee to Forest as a powerful way to show your clients you truly care about our planet and you're doing your part to be sustainable. And I suppose another point to follow up on, um, I know James has mentioned Vish Salons a few times during this interview. So if you're curious to learn more about Vish Salons uh, and what they're doing, their mission, um, how they can help you uh, be more sustainable and profitable, um, you can check out episode 185 that features Joshua Howard, um, their CEO, and our uh, very own Brittany Volkman on benchmarking as a tool for continued success. Um, but we also have a webinar that was just recently aired and you can watch on demand uh, we have a version for the US and Canada and then another version for UK and Ireland uh, the titles differ but the 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 topic is essentially uh, very similar so you're looking at charge your worth in UK Ireland and charging your worth in uh, the US and Canada and what essentially is being covered through that is uh, learning how to break down your color business and understand pricing getting ways to review and present options for communicating prices to clients and understanding how to take control of dispensed color and turn it into a profit center uh, while also focusing on sustainable practices in your business. And so if you are looking for more information or you'd like to watch that on demand, you can head over to, or you can click the link actually in today's uh, show notes or in uh, you'll find all the information in our transcript as well. One last thing before we sign off, don't forget to head over to force.com forward slash FM where you can find all of our episodes, transcripts and subscribe to the show's email newsletter to get all the updates and guest downloadable content delivered straight to your inbox weekly on Wednesdays. As always, if you want to share your thoughts on Forest FM or this episode specifically, have any ideas or want to share what you're doing for Earth Day this year, send us an email at forestfm at forest.com or leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to get your feedback otherwise stay safe and we'll catch you next monday all the best this episode was edited and mixed by audio z montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed great music makes great moments forest fm the salon owners podcast is brought to you by forest salon software Get your clients back in more often, spending more, and generating referrals. Let's grow.